Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. What are we going to do? I don't know. Uh, hallelujah. Let's, uh, well, let's pray. Hey, yeah, that'll, that'll do it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for the power of the cross, the power of your salvation, God, your redemption for us, that it is total, that, God, you have redeemed us spiritually, you have redeemed us soulishly, intellectually, emotionally, and, God, you have redeemed us physically. That, God, there's nothing apart from you that we have not received in its entirety and its completeness. Now, God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name, and we give you the praise. Amen and amen. Praise God. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13. Hallelujah. It says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. So here we see that Paul is writing to us, and he tells us that we are to watch. Somebody say watch. That word watch insinuates to us that number one, that Paul is dealing with a church that over the progression of time has grown weary and has become less than what they were when they first came in contact with Christ. So he says, I want you to watch. I want you to quit being like men. Now, if they weren't dealing with that, then Paul wouldn't have said to quit something. So these men have progressed, this church has progressed back to the point that they are now being governed just like the Gentiles were before they come to know Christ. So Paul says, look, I want you to watch. Now that is a warning. If he tells us to watch, then there are dangers that we are to watch for. Could I get an amen? Sometimes the dangers in life become so familiar that we begin to miss them. That we begin to miss them. But we as Christians are to be awake. We are to watch. That word watch means this. We are to give a strict attention to things that are going on around us. We are to actively stay in faith and its service one to another and to God. This is where people get weary. This is where people get bored. If you quit partaking of any relationship that you are in, you're going to become bored with that relationship. Marriage is only as exciting as you keep it. If all you do is just move to different bedrooms, if all you do is just talk over the uh, television at one another, if all you do is see your kids uh, when they're getting up to go to school, you're never there, you're never involved, guess what? Those relationships are going to unwind and they're going to fall apart. So what Paul tells us to do is watch. You have to watch yourself. Christianity, sad to say, has not become the shaper of society. 
Society has begun to shape Christianity. And, and the reason I say that is because Facebook, Christians talk just like infidels. People that have no faith. They whine, they complain, they talk against people. They, and then the whole Facebook community. I'm going to show you what the founder of Facebook said in about two weeks. How he said we knew that we would transform a nation and cause them to disown and break down and rally to negativity instead of positiveness. We knew that it would underline relationships and destroy the virtue of faith in everybody that joined there. And he said, I'm a billionaire now. He said, but we knew when we gave birth to Facebook that we would destroy a generation. Now, this is on Fox News, and you'll see his testimony. So some of you may get unaddicted to Facebook. It's amazing how many people check Facebook 80 times a day is the average. There's only 24, time, 24 hours in a day. People check their Facebook page 80 times on an average a day. Oh, I don't do that. I only do it 62. Yeah, but you're... you're and uh, so they have these things, and it's eroding America. It's destroying people. It, what it does is it, it allows you to have no accountability. And people join and say, oh, yes, we do this, we do that. Facebook is of the devil. Now, I know some of you young people say, well, don't attack my Facebook. You need it attacked. Let me tell you something. Most of you spend more time on Facebook than you do with Jesus. Young and old. Young and old. You go to Facebook for comfort, but you don't have time to pray. Come on, don't, don't, don't even tell me, don't attack your Facebook. Your Facebook has become your God. Your Facebook has become something of more relevance than relationships. You'll go to Facebook, you won't go street witnessing. You'll go to Facebook, you don't come out to pray. Somebody ought to shout so I can get on to something else. There you go. Now I'll go on to something else. And I'll be giving you a whole scenario of that. I get to show you how he set your generation up to poison your mind and you think it's happy land. Boy, what a bunch of fish we have been. All right, let's move right along. So watching means, whew, hallelujah, I'm glad I'm over that. It means to be cautious. It means to take heed. It means least to take heed, least something would break through and distract us from our diligent pursuit of our faith. It means to allow indulgences or giving in to spurts of lust, spurts of emotionalism, to enter in and destroy our service of faith. See, Christians get tired. They get tired because they aren't involved. You say, but I don't have time to be involved. Yes, you do. You got time to eat. You got time to do what you want to do. Amen. 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 I have plenty of time to do what I want to do. Amen. But there are lots of times that I don't want to do what I should be doing. Amen. And so I say, well, I'm just busy today. What are you doing? I'm hunting. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it means to stir yourself up. Why? Because if you don't watch, these indulgences, these leanings to 
the natural man, our emotional fervor, our reactions because of our emotions. We respond entirely too much out of our emotions instead of out of love. And what we do, the Bible says in James 1.19 that the wrath of man, the word wrath means the emotional state of man short circuits the righteousness and its reward. In other words, when you start responding out of your emotions, guess what? You're going to shut down God's righteousness and its rewards. So that's why we have to watch. Somebody say watch. We have to wake up because we are living in a very dangerous time. If it was dangerous back then, it's more so now. Could again, amen. amen. And then it says watch, and then it says to stand fast. Stand fast. It means that we are to be unmovable. It means that we are to stand strong. It means don't give up. Don't release your faith. Don't stop listening to the voice of God, your convictions, and your purpose, but continue in your faith and do not hesitate and waver. In other words, Phyllis, we are supposed to continue in our convictions, but our convictions can be remolded by the influences of people as well as radio, television, advertisement, whatever it is. We can have our convictions reformed because of the influence of undue association with the world. You say, oh man, Pastor, you're talking about living a holy life. Wonder, wonder, we got it. Yes, absolutely. But I'm just talking about one verse. And then it says, quit you like men. Quit. Quit is spoken of four times in the Bible one time in the New Testament. It means to conduct yourself in a courageous way and dis, and do not uh, continue to allow unbelief to enter into your life, but seek diligently to vacate your life of unbelief and self-dominion. Now think of what it said, quit you like men. What are men? Men are people that are filled with unbelief. People that aren't saved are filled with unbelief. Skepticism, criticism. But then, when it comes to other things, guess what? They also are not actively pursuing deepening their faith. And they rely on their self. Christians are not to be self-reliant. That is the last place that we want to end up. Because we had no strength to free ourselves from sin, and we have no strength to combat it, except it is the strength of the Lord that is with us. Could I get an amen? Then it says, be strong. Remember, the Bible tells us, Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord. Don't be strong in yourself, because you don't have enough might to ward off the adversary. And so it says, be strong, be strong in the Lord. In other words, it really means this. Become skillful in relying and trusting God. Become skillful in living by faith. Skillful. How do we become skillful? That means that we have to start applying ourselves. 
in every situation. Remember the most valuable commodity that Jesus is going to come back for. He said, when I come back, will I find faith? Will I find faith? See, we think our world is just void of an understanding of God. That's not true at all. If that was true, then Christians would be sound and solid, doctrinally unshakable. But the truth of the matter is, is that the church is losing its faith. It is being filled and polluted with unbelief. Every place we go. Now, that tells me one thing. The reason the world is the way that it is is because of the lack of faith. People would say, oh, they just don't believe in God. A lack of faith. They think what they're doing is right. The lack of faith. They think that they're gods. The lack of faith. Look, the church is in the condition that it's in because of a lack of faith. See, if you were filled with faith, nobody ever had to tell me, quit running around with women when I got saved. Nobody had to tell me, quit cussing. Nobody had to tell me, quit drinking. I just knew. I was filled with faith. But if unbelief starts coming in, if somebody can tell me that's not what the word means, well, you don't have to do that. They extract the faith. And guess what comes in? Sinful character. We do what we do either because we are filled with faith or we are small or lacking in faith. Absolutely. So we have to understand that God is looking for faith. And we have to watch because, fellas, these things are coming. And why they're coming, watch you. Quit you like men. In other words, if we don't watch for these things, we are going to be invaded by all of these things. And unbelief is going to come in. And guess what's going to happen? We, as the church, will start living like mere men. We are not mere men. We are a supernatural born family of God. And we have been redeemed from all evil upon this earth. We have been given authority and power over serpents, scorpions, and all the power of the enemy. We can remove mountains. We can set the captive free. We can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are not subject to anything that happens here. We are subject to the laws of the citizenship in heavenly places. Hallelujah. But if we take that faith away, what do we do? We become subservant to a society that has no faith. Don't even, what well, well, it has no God. It has no God because it has no faith. So if you take the element of faith out, God disappears. God has no jurisdiction even over believers where there is no faith. Did you hear me? If you don't believe that you're going to stand before God one day, you think you can get away with what you're doing today. That is an, a lack of faith on your behalf. And a lack of faith will induce sin. Ask Adam and believe. Eve, the, the devil said this. Oh, no, the Lord didn't say that. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, he didn't. They disbelieved God. And they believed a lie. Now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 through 9, if I can have that on the screen. Now, I'm just talking to you about watching, talking to you about quit living like mere men, because we aren't mere men. We are to uh, walk by faith, and we are to be strong in the Lord. It says, for if we, we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now, don't take that away. Now, go back to verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Next verse. We are confident because of faith. I say willing and rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about where our faith lies. In the Lord and his return. Now, next verse. Wherefore, or because of that faith, we labor, whether present or absent, that we may be accepted of him. We stop working for Christ we stop trusting in God. We stop serving others. We stop being faithful to assemblies because of a dying faith. Listen, I just caught your attention. Now I'm warning you, because of a dying faith. A dying faith. Not a faith that you would die for, but a faith that is dying that you will not even stand for. Whew, gee, me, hallelujah. Now, let's go to Ephesians 4.14. Hallelujah. I'm excited. I know the end of the story. Hallelujah. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to what? Deceive. Notice that men are very relevant in the deception of the church. Because we think men are normal. We think that their opinions are normal. We think that their verbiage is normal. Well, they just aren't saved, so they cuss and do that. Oh, there's something far deeper and far sinister than just trying to vex you. Because when you get vexed, your faith is under stress. Under stress. Now, here it says that the reason the fivefold ministry is given is that we should be no more children tossed to and fro. In other words, we're supposed to be strong. In other words, we're supposed to be interwoven with our faith. In other words, we are to be aware that men are being used to deceive us and draw us away to their own desires or their own purposes. We have to be aware. Could I get an amen? amen. All right, let's go to verse 17 now. Ephesians 4, 17. What's these words? Now this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth, somebody say from henceforth, right now, Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity 
of their mind or the emptiness of their mind. Next verse. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. What is ignorance and blindness? Faithlessness. Faithlessness. Now here it says that we are alienated from God. Or Gentiles are because they don't understand and they do not see or know him. Now let's go next blindness of heart. Let's go. All right. Who being past feelings have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Next verse. But you have not so learned Christ. So let's think of it this way. The person that does not seek understanding, the person that does not seek to be able to see with the eyes of God, they ultimately are going to be giving their self over to, go back to verse 20, 20, I'm sorry, 19. They're going to begin to give their self over to lasciviousness and to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, if those things are in your life, I declare a warning to you. Faithlessness is at work. You are being alienated from the life of God because of the deceptive work, not only of the devil, not only of Hollywood, not only of radio, but also of people that are around you. Oh, well, well they're just, they just don't understand. I know there are two classes of people in the world, the children of the devil and the children of God. There is no neutral ground they're either for Christ or they're against Christ. Could I get an amen? So we are to come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing. And so here we see that we have to make sure that we are not living like Gentiles. Could I get an amen? In other words, we're not to live like unsaved men. We are to have an understanding. We are to have a knowledge of God so that faith can grow in us. But if we don't watch ourselves, we will get deceived by those that are around us. It's so important to watch yourself. It's important to watch everything that you are around. Look, I have friends that don't believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. If they ever question me, let me tell you something. We're going to say we need to end this conversation and we're going to end fellowship. I mean, I'm just not going to, well, well, but no, no, we receive people unto faith, but not to the place that it becomes a point of disputation or a point of argument. We are going to sever relationships because I believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to Proverbs 14, 12. I'm going to try to hurry this along. Proverbs 14, 12. And David, can you turn yours to, uh, if you're paying attention today, Proverbs 16, 25. All right. Proverbs, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that seemeth right unto man. Notice what it said. There is a way that seemeth right unto man. Here is the problem with faithlessness. 
is that man begins to lose his faith. He begins to transition into a fool. The Bible says, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Right here, back to scripture up on the screen. It says this, in there is a way in which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Remember, alienation from the life of God. When man begins, and Christians begin to lean back to the Gentile mindset, start dealing with their life every day, in and out, lying up, getting, lying down and getting up, and you begin to be infiltrated by the ways of a Gentile mind, faith is dying. Faith is dying, and self-reliance is rising. Self-reliance is rising. Proverbs 16:25 says it this way. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's quoted twice in the book of wisdom or in Proverbs. Now, let's go to Proverbs 6.23. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we got to be careful that when we are walking with God, that our faith does not die, that our attention is up on everything else. For the commandment is a lamp. Somebody know what the commandment is? Somebody say, the word of the Lord, the voice of God. And the commandment is a lamp, and the law is a light. And reproof and instructions are a way of life. Now, we are to walk in light in the ways of the commandments. We are allowed to them to instruct us in how to handle life itself. Could it get an amen? Absolutely. Now, let's go to Romans 8, 5. Romans 8, 5. I'm quickly trying to get through this because I don't, I just, I just want to get through it. All right. Romans 8, 5 says this. This is what happens to the man that starts losing faith. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Next verse. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Next verse. Because the carnal mind is the enmity or is against the enemy opposed to God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Next verse. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, can Christians get in the flesh? Can Christians start living carnally minded? Can Christians start being dominated by their thoughts that activate decisions that end up being without God? Absolutely. There is a way that seems right unto man. But the end thereof is death. In other words, we have to stop, first of all, being carnally minded. Carnally minded. Now, the question would be this, just real simple. When you faced a problem, 
what was your first outreach or where was your arm extended to? What are we going to do? Or God will help us. Now that may seem subtle, but didn't you do that before you got saved? But you're not supposed to do it now? You're right. Absolutely. Okay, let's intensify this. Let's go to Psalms 34.8. Woo! Remember, we're talking about quitting stuff. We're going to quit being carnally minded. I wanted, I, I really, I just jotted down real quickly. Do any of you have a list that you go to every time that something happens in your house? So you rely on your mind to think properly under pressure. Come on. You are not even trusting your own mind. It's not reliable. What is reliable? The Word of God. The Word of God. Have a list on your refrigerator that every time something happens you have a vision a course for your faith because if you don't I'm gonna read this book <laughs> uh, you book yourself to death book book what do you believe then you're quoting what the author says no faith in it it's just parrot Christianity but what if you went to the Word of God? First and foremost, you had on your refrigerator. The first thing we do is this. We go and find out what God has said, where God has spoken. Don't pray, because most people say, well, I'm just going to pray and see what the Lord says. No, 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 no. You go to the Bible. You can hear anything you pray. I had a woman tell me one time, I prayed about tithing. God told me to buy a new motor for my boat. And I said, well, God told me to pray that boat sink. She said, you wouldn't do that, Pastor. I said, no, I really hope it burns before you get to the lake. <laughs> now, why did she say that? She, heard, she said she was praying. You can't rely on everything you hear coming through the mulberry bush. God's word is unchangeable, and so is the word, is his voice. Amen. If you want to find out what God said, go to the scripture. What does God say he wants me to do? Trust in me, okay? How do I trust in God? I need to find a place to make a faith connection with God. I need to find out what God's going to do in this financial need. Well, here he said this. He said to meet all my needs. Here he said, told me he gave seed to the sower. Here he said that if I would give, it would be given back. And I encourage you to get back in there and feed your faith and cause it to be alive again. Some of us used to live like that. Now it's so foreign to us, we never ever return to it. Thank you. I, two more amens, I'm going to be encouraged. Now look, where have we fallen? How many of us, you, Dr. Robinson, you married a woman, a Rhema graduate. 
When you married her, was she talking about, let's give, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. God will do it. Now she's saying, how much you got in the checkbook? Got it. Can, can we do this? Hey, can we do it? Huh? It's like we got jobs. We quit giving. What, what, where have we fallen? Listen, it is a wake-up sign. We have not watched. The adversary, while we have been asleep, has sown other ideas. And they are Gentile mentalities of God and self-reliance. Psalms 34, 8. Watch this. Oh, hallelujah. Taste and see. Taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Do you remember how sweet the honey was like when Samson slew the lion? Taste and see how good redemption is in the victory that Jesus has given us. The lion of Judah. Take, do you remember, David, when you first got saved? Oh, gosh. Oh, honey, give. Praise God, we're going to give. We're going to tithe. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to church. But we've been there two weeks two weeks in a row. Shut up. We're, we're Christians. Hallelujah. What do you think we're supposed to do? We're going to church tomorrow. Praise God. Honey, I'm not well. Well, then you need to be in the house of healing. Hallelujah. We'll get the elders to pray for you. Get up, my God, woman. Let's go. Hallelujah. But now, the taste of the honey has been forgotten. And now it's the taste of labor, work, struggle, sweat of your own brow, your own diligence, doing everything yourself. There's no joy in Christianity. I don't even talk to me the joy of the Lord is my strength. I am weak as a withered green pea. And I ain't got no tolerance for people that are happy in Jesus. <laughs> taste. When we tasted and saw that the Lord was good. Randy got you, Ray, when you first got saved. And, and he said, well, what am I to do now? Randy said, give the Lord 10%. You said, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I make a bunch of money. Randy said, good, you get to give a bunch of money. He did. The taste of honey was upon his lips. He never wondered if I should. He just did. But now the taste of honey has left our lips because of the battles of our faith. And now we have no joy. We have no strength. We have no remembrance of past victories. And so we just go on and we just, here is the mindset of those that have forgotten honey. You expect nothing, you just like a Christian robot. You say nothing, you do nothing, you just think it's because you have a higher moral standard than the drunk beside you in your neighborhood, you're okay. I'm talking 70% of us. 
I know some of you say, thank God I'm in that 30%. Yeah, well, I'm about to get you too. Hallelujah. Now, I'm, I'm just telling you, we have forgotten the joy of a life of faith, of touching God, destroying the adversary, bringing victory out of a battle. We have forgot. And therefore, since we've forgotten how good it is to taste of God, we now replace all of the principles that we once had of God with other things. That which is acceptable. I'm a tither pastor, but do you believe God financially? Amen. Well, 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 I'm a tither. I didn't ask you that question. I asked you if you believe God for financial miracles and breakthroughs. Or do we just go back to our checkbook? Now, I'm not opposed. Listen, I'd much rather be blessed than always needing a miracle. But I never want to lose my faith in God as my provider. Because I have tasted Jehovah's victory. And I don't want to live without it. It's like kissing your wife for the first time when you first meet her. After that, it's all downhill. Is her kiss as sweet as it was when you first kissed her, David? Yes. I've seen David's eyes cross. Yes. Ah, yeah, right. Hallelujah. How many times did you kiss her today, David? Just yesterday. Yesterday. Oh, well, well, wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. When, when, when you were dating, when you were dating, how many times did you kiss her when you seen her? Oh, yeah, more. She didn't even have makeup on her face left after you got done slobbering over her. You know it and I know it. Praise God. And now he said, oh, yes, I did. Oh, boy, what a hypocrite. Glory to God. All right. Now let's go to Psalms 19. Psalms 19, 9 and 10. David, you better get her home and start kissing her. Send them, grand, send them grandbabies back to their parents. Now look, it says this. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous together. Next verse. More to be desired than gold. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Since we've forgotten how honey tastes, we never go to the word for answers. We never go to the word to hear the voice of God. We never go to the place to taste and see that the Lord is good. We have become a blood-washed, Gentile-minded people. We are faithless in many areas we cannot continue to live like that faithfulness or faith in people's heart demands that God is preeminent it demands that he's first and foremost it demands not my will but his will it demands God I'm not my own but I'm bought with a price 
It means that we do what God asked us to do, not what we have become used to doing. Yeah. The other 30%. Used to come to church on Wednesday nights, couldn't get enough. Ah, but now you're full of honey. Now, the Bible says you get much honey, it will even make you sick. See, you got enough word in you, and you never used your faith all the way. You'd start things, but you never finished them. Now you got word that just has turned to bitterness in your life. Well, I've tried that. Oh, so you're telling me God quit working? Yeah. No, God hasn't failed. He never has and never will. Let's go to Psalms 119 and 102. Psalms 119, 102 through 104. Hallelujah. Praise God. I think I'll put a little honey on Phyllis's lips and enjoy both worlds. Now, it says this. I, I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through the precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate everything that is false. Do you see how acceptance of evil comes when a man's understanding and then blindness of mind comes in? Faith begins to wither, and then we stop hating evil. What do we do? We start accepting it. We start accepting it. There was a man in Lyme, Ohio. I don't know his name. I forget his name because Nikki told me his name, but I don't remember his name. But I do remember that I've heard his name before, and, but I don't remember his name because I didn't hear enough and don't know if I really met the guy when I heard his name. He was in the church right down from your house. Yes. And they brought in a homosexual to teach them. Out of that congregation, he was the only one that stood up. And he said, I am leaving this church. And his wife said, do you hate homosexuals? He said, no, but God hates it as a sin. So he is at odds now with his wife and with his church because he chose the way of faith. Now look, God doesn't hate homosexuals any more than he hated us as liars and fornicators and thieves and backbiters and everything else. But it's still sin. And it's no worse a sin than lying or anything else. Though you may be racist, or intolerant against that type of sin, look, liars are going to have their place in, in the lake of fire too. And well, how big a lie can we tell? You'll be there, you'll know, hallelujah. Look, you don't lie at all. Now, now do you, so here, this man stands up and his wife misreads and says, oh, you hate. No, I don't hate. But see, that's the mind of the Gentile. And that mindset runs rampant 
in the church today. Absolutely. It is running rampant. It is polluting our pulpits. It is defiling our congregations. We have got to get back to the place of Psalms 119 and verse 102. You thought I forgot, didn't you? There it is. Let's look at that. And it says, I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words to my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, and therefore I hate every false way. You know why people stop confession? Because faith dies. And it becomes bitter in their mouth. The second thing I encourage you to do is write it down and then write it down number two, prepare for the fight. <laughs> Phyllis and I counsel, look, love is most wonderful, but it can be miserable. And the good thing is you'll get a taste of both. <laughs> right, Phyllis? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Somebody told me, say, my husband and I never fight. That's you ever wonder why I keep going out to the barn? <laughs> He's afraid he'll choke the life. <laughs> never mind. I'm moving right along. And so you got to prepare for the fight. Somebody say prepare for the fight. Hear God's voice on a subject, then prepare for the fight because it's coming. Amen. It's called the fight of faith. Faith doesn't mean you're not going to fight. It means you've drawn a line and invited a fight. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you will prosper, but every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn. Amen. Listen to all the voices going on. Oh, God's not going to do it now. You know, people fail, and you know, I, people die believing God, and, and all that. You got to speak to those things, and you're going to have to condemn them and sentence them to be powerless in your life. Amen. The third thing, start speaking things that are not as though they are. In other words, put the sweetness of God's word back in your mouth. Back in your mouth. It's amazing how many Christians now know how to speak negative, but not positive. They know how to speak uh, defeat, but not victory. And then number four, resist the pressure of time. Time has nothing to do with your faith. Oh, oh but, but it didn't show up in time. Listen, for the sake of your faith, even if it doesn't look like you have received your answer, you keep pushing through until you do. Amen. Don't ever leave a faith battle unfinished. Amen. Keep going. Amen. Amen. Keep it going. See it through. Number five, become thankful. Become thankful. Somebody said, well, I know I'm supposed to praise the Lord, and that's the only reason I'm doing it. I would encourage you, shut up. Just stop it. Don't we have to have a sacrifice? Not a miserable one. My word, oh, honey, can we make out tonight? Well, how about I just go to sleep and you use my lips and tell me when you're done? <laughs> Is that how you do it, David? No. Are you sure? Positive. Okay. How about you, Steve? No, no, no. 
Steve just went, okay, all right. (laughs) Number six, control your thoughts. Because in a battle, they're liable to go crazy. Because you're looking at everything that's happening, you need to look at one thing, what God said. And then number seven, having done all to stand, just stand. Just stand. Let it be whatever will be, but stand. Hallelujah. All right, uh, let's go to uh, Proverbs 27, 7. Who, Jiminy, hallelujah. Oh, we're going to wrap up. What time is it? Man, I'm sorry. Yep, we're going to wrap up. I thought I'd heard Phyllis's stomach growling over there. And it says this. Now watch this, watch this. The full soul loatheth and honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. What does that mean? That means that when you start allowing a little of the Gentile mind to start coming in, you automatically start hating the honey and the honeycomb. Soon as your thoughts start trailing away from God and your faith starts diminishing in any level, you start despising the place of honey. And then it says, but to the hungry. Now, if you aren't tasting that the Lord is good, you've still got taste buds. So guess what you're going to do? You're going to start going back to the bitternesses of sin and you're going to start thinking that that's the way of the Lord it is not the way of God it is not the Bible says in Galatians 2 why do you return to the weak and beggarly elements of your senses that you were once redeemed from why are you going back there because I forgot what honey tastes like I have allowed the world to come in and now I just have no desire, no want, no care, no desire, no enthusiasm, zeal, hallelujah. I just don't want to read the Bible. Now all of that comes. And then what do you do? You just start inviting more. Why? Because you have been created to be filled with something. Either evil or good, light or darkness, life or death. The choice is yours. Let's today stop, quit living like mere men and going back to where we have been redeemed from. You have been born of God. God has given you his word, and we need to get back into it. We need to shake ourselves. We need to rise ourselves up in faith. And I'm calling every husband of every household right now to accountability. I'm calling you right now, wake up and start seeing what's going on in your house and stop letting it be whatever will be. Start governing your house. 
get involved, know what decisions are being made, know what's being said, know what's on your television, know the attitude of your children, know the level of your faith. If it's down, then get back in there, fill it up, and be an example to the rest of your household. Amen. They may not like you. Oh, you're shutting the television off right in the, my favorite thing. Oh, Daddy, say, quiet. We're going to read my favorite thing called the Bible. And you give them a half an hour of a dose of good honey. So they're filled, hallelujah, with the good things of God and not the things of the world. And you wives, you don't have husbands, you rise up. Or if your husband's not saved, you rise up. You put the pressure on. You start inviting more of God in your home. The Bible says that an unsanctified house will be sanctified by a sanctified woman. And it says that though a man be cursed, he'll be blessed. And though he's a sinner, he'll begin to be affected by your life. Don't give up. Hang on. Hallelujah. Let's not quit. Come on, somebody. Let's not quit. Let's not quit. Let's not quit. We're not going backward. We're going forward. Amen. We are going forward. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, your presence is in here. Just do, God, what only you can do. Do a deep work in us, God. And God, just turn our hearts. God, that we are not so easily tossed to and fro. But God, that we stand as standards and examples of a faithful people that serve an unfailing God. And God, let us be aware. Let us watch. God, let us just quit. Let us just disconnect ourselves from things that have nothing to do. But God, destroy our faith. God, let us, God, rise up and be diligent to pursue you. God, let us be strong, unmovable, unwavering of our faith and service of that faith. Let us rebuild the things that once made our faith strong, that kept us alive and kept us vigilant, God, and stirred. Hallelujah. God, let the bitternesses of the battles, the hardships and disappointments Find their way out of our life. And let honey, let honey, God, become sweet again. Let us taste, see the goodness of God one more time, God. God, let it be enough. Let it be enough that God will never lose or savor that taste. For there is nothing else that God satisfies and fills but you. All that we're looking for, all the world is looking for, God, is found in you. Let our faith be strong. Let it rise up, God. And let us live it. Let us live faith. And God, I ask you to speak to people's hearts today. If you're not here, you're here and you're not a Christian. You've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You and I and everybody here knows that you are a sinner. We've all been sinners. But we all 
made our decisions to follow Jesus. And you're here today, you're not here by chance. You didn't just roll in with, with the wind. You are here because of the divine, sovereign plan for your life. And Jesus is here. And you hear him calling. He's calling your name. He's beckoning you right now. He's beseeching you. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Jesus offers you eternal life, a redeemed life, a new name written in heaven. He offers you life eternal. He offers you companionship. He offers you strength. He offers you faith. He offers you love. He offers you provision. But the main reason that he come was to offer you forgiveness of your sins. If you are here today, you're in a backslidden state. If you're here today and you've never been saved, but you say, Pastor, I need to have Jesus in my life. I'm going to ask you right now to lift your hand towards heaven. Lift it towards heaven so I can see it. Because I want to pray with you today. I don't want anybody leaving this place that is not ready for heaven. This is the greatest thing about a service is that men get invited to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Is there anyone? Okay, I'm figuring if Jesus would come back, we'd all be gone. If you're here, you're on your own. Hallelujah. Because I won't be here next Sunday. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could somebody shout to break this Methodist silence? Hey, my name, Lord, oh, glory to God. I thought I was in a mortuary, <laughs> draining the Pope or something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. We are not turning back. And we're not going to quit. We're going to live for God. And we're going to quit living like common men. There's nothing common about you. You've been bought with the blood. You've been filled with his spirit. You are the temple of God. And God lives in you and dwells in you. And you are sealed with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Men, rise up. Take your place. Women, rise up and help them. And if you're a single woman or a woman with an unsaved husband, rise up and let God, invite God to enter in and dwell in your house so that your husband is so uncomfortable it feels like he's got fleas. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you, God, for all that you've done. I thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus, the magnificent, the glorious, the unwavering, the reigning king, the victorious one, the resurrection, the Christ and the Lord of our life. God, keep us until we come back together again under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, let us be bold because we're not quitters. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. See you Wednesday evening. Hallelujah.